from the Dub Lab Studios in Virgil Village, California. This is North Mollywood. I'm Alex Papadinas. On the show today, from Yo Is This Racist and this show, Andrew T. What up? And on the other side of the table, the ultra cool dwarf star in our galaxy, Molly Lambert. What up? Are you excited about Trappist One? We didn't talk about it. Yes and no. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Nice. <laughs> That's a good start. Yes, I'm excited. Whenever we find exoplanets, no, I'm not excited because uh, we're doing such a terrible job with this planet. We don't deserve any more planets, let alone eight new planets. It's only seven. Well, we don't deserve seven either. Today we're going to talk about. Planet Earth 2, a, a decade in the making nature show, the future of nature shows, the nature show of, of tomorrow. It's a nature show that looks like 2017. It's the most exciting thing I've watched. It's better than everything else. It's kind of better than everything else. We've been talking so much for the last like weeks and months. Uh, like This has become a show about esca- attempts at escapism that don't work. Things that are not really escapist, trying to disappear into things. And then you're like, oh, wait, I'm watching a three hour movie about Afghanistan like, and how we fucked up everything. I feel like that's the theme of North Hollywood is, is like, no, this wasn't escapist at all. Like, what did you just tell me that you watched? I, I watched during the, the movie like, Sneakers, <laughs> yeah. which I didn't know was I mean, I knew it was about hacking, but it didn't occur to me immediately that it would be about Cold War stuff. And right. I gotta stop thinking about Russian hacking. Oh, and they just keep talking about like the Cold War's over, guys. Right. We don't ever need to think about Russian spies ever again. And I just was hanging my head. Also, there's like a billion good people in that movie. It's like Sidney yeah. Poitier is in Sydney that movie. Poitier. It's like what? the third guy. David Strathairn. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. It's from that era when those guys. River Phoenix. Oh, jeez. That's right. It is a a gang of cool. Yeah, it's like the Ocean's Nine. It is. And the right. whole setup is like the government needs Robert Redford as the first hacker. He's the hacker who like discovered how to hack at Berkeley. Well, old hackers. Yeah. And then he's uh, changed his identity. And then they were like, hey, we know who you really are. So you have to do this hacking for the government. And then we'll wipe your slate clean. Mr. Oldbot. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't phone freak anymore with a PH. <laughs> Uh, I'm ready for phone freaking to come back. Well, now it's just hacking because everyone's phones are digital. Okay. Let's not talk about technology. I mean, we will talk about technology because technology made Planet Earth 2 possible. I watched a Vox video about how they did it, and I'll t- I will uh, share those the, what I, my findings if you want. But I'm really glad that you made us watch this, Molly. This is like, uh, it was really, I thoroughly enjoyed that hour more than I've enjoyed any hour of the last couple of months i just want to say slight spoiler alert i'm going to find a way to bring this back into paranoid dystopia don't worry just i know <laughs> there's among, a part you're among friends there's a paranoid dystopia part it involves crabs on christmas island <laughs> okay so planet earth this was 10 years ago it was a bbc show yeah about the lives of animals it's a david attenborough super special OG of uh, wildlife. The OG of wildlife narration, documentary, cool guy stuff. Brother of Richard. Mm -hmm. Uh, A knight of the realm. Yeah. And this. What if if the current knights 
of like what if what if some like alien asteroid came back that had only been here when King Arthur was around came back and was like <laughs> England gather your knights and it's like what a bunch of actors and like rich business people <laughs> yeah Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart and like yeah I mean look some that, soccer players but then yeah, you get into industrialists and stuff and like that would be a terrible round table uh, oh no I, yeah well they'd have to fight something I mean imagine what happens if the aliens arrive teleport all the knights because it still knows who the knights are stop having amazing ideas to their alien battle arena <laughs> it's just a bunch of day. It's just a bunch of old white dudes and some black dudes um, possibly. Be- leave here right now and go write this screenplay yeah it would be a british expendables and sean connery one. would kill everybody oh, it'd be awesome oh man uh planet earth <laughs> planet earth sorry this no, is planet i liked i took me a second and then i was like oh i love this idea um I'm just, uh, here to pitch. I'm just here to pitch. Yeah. Go ahead. The first one was, I think, the premiere of HD as an idea, as a system. It was the thing everybody used to show off HD, which had mm. the first thing I feel like people used to show HD off was sports games, which is really terrifying when you can see every face in a crowd at a sports game. You actually don't want that at all. It's mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But this is like you can see every penguin face in a endless strand of penguins and that is the best it's yeah i i it was the premiere of hd in my house that was the first thing i was like when's planet earth on like i was like how do we find planet earth and like when i got i finally got like a flat screen that was the first thing that i watched it was you know because you 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 want that you want this it's like suddenly you have a window that you didn't have before in your home this is good because y'all are original planet earth heads and this is my first. I must have seen clips and stuff from the other ones, but I, I wasn't like into it. You're only into Earth Two. I'm only into Earth Two. Oh, this is all filmed on the other planet that we found, right? It Earth feels like it is. Yeah. The fact that all this stuff is on Earth makes you be like, man, we fucked up so bad as humans. Did oh, you yeah. feel that way, or did yes. you feel? Like, did you feel it? Like, because I was like. Oh, at least, I mean, I did have the thought that like, oh, this probably, it's only a matter of time before we, we bomb this penguin island just to, just cause like whatever, like they don't vote or something. So it doesn't matter. Like it, <laughs> it's all climate change. It's going to, yeah, fuck everything up. it's going to be sadder. Cause it's just going to be like slow acidification of the ocean is just yeah. going to melt this, this stuff one, away in a way that we don't even notice when it happens. This one didn't do as much like a lot of nature documentaries right now. They'll just like kick you in the head at the end with like, and by the way, here's all the horrible fucked up stuff. And like, here's the polar bear who like doesn't have a place to live and the ice flow he's supposed to live on doesn't exist anymore. Right. Like the end of the, the end of the episode is like in memoriam, this polar bear that oh, you thought was cute. And like, yes. all, it's like the, the montage, but it all died since we, while we were editing this. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, in general nature documentaries, I always am the person who's like, let's watch a nature documentary. It's the best. And then like, something fucking horrible just will happen. It'll be like, I remember I watched one where there were a bunch of babe, like owl babies. and like, like there's enough food for all of them, but for some reason, only one of them like starves to death and then the rest eat it. Mm-hmm. Nature's fucked up, man. It's fucking crazy. It's red yeah. in tooth and claw. It is, it is a crazy <laughs> Werner Herzog movie all the time. But I, I had the experience I was watching. Uh, there's a bunch of Netflix ones called like Wild continent wild country so i was watching wild uh like norway or something it was like wild fjords and like immediately something fjord lords (laughs) something 
something so bad happened immediately that I think I kind of blocked it out already what it was. I was just like, oh, this is great. And then I was like, oh, God, the cute one is is being like ripped to shreds by an army of something else cute. Um, and then I switched over to a animal show for babies called Baby Animal Mornings. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's called like Baby Animals. Oh, that's on Animal Planet, oh, right? Where they just it's do on Netflix. It's called puppies. like oh, okay. Baby Animals in the. No, that's a different one. That one's okay. also good. This one's called like Baby Animals in the Wild, and it's organized by like Baby Animals Forest Babies in the Morning, mm-hmm. Ocean Babies in the Afternoon. <laughs> and it's all just like the babies get up and then they have like a cool little day and then they go to sleep and nobody gets ripped to shreds. And it's great. It's probably all fake, but I don't care. Right. It feels like that feels like the thing where like the closer you get to reality, the less okay it is to be stoned while you're watching it. It <laughs> feels like it feels like nature documentaries are a real like uh, double-edged sword because you're like this would be awesome to be high watching this except for when it's not and it's the least awesome. Well, it'll take saying? a turn sometimes. It'll be something on planet Earth, you know, something incredible. And astounding, and then just something really fucked up and horrible, and you're like, "Oh God!" Mm-hmm. All right, wait. We should actually talk about what happens. So we all watched the first episode of the Planet first Earth episode. Two. It's it's been out in England, and now it's out here, and it's showing on BBC America, one episode at a time. Mm-hmm. And you can get it on the, the uh, Amazon as well. That's what I did. Yeah, I, I like how it was called. It. Planet Earth 2 Season 1, Episode 1. It took on, me so long to make sure I was watching the right it's thing. It's on the BBC America website for free. And that is how I watched it. And the first episode is... Islands. Islands. Just kidding, islands. <laughs> Which was cool because you get to see all of these creatures that live in these like very untouched kind of habitats. I guess apparently like you saw if you like when they're like, this season on Planet Earth, we will get to like city monkeys and stuff. But right now... Straight, untouched, uh, unspoiled landscapes. You get the pygmy sloth, sloth, sloth. It's sloth. Is that the, is that a thing? It's not. They have just, have I been saying it's, it wrong? It's Attenborough, so they pronounce it sloth. The sloth is making slow progress. It's so cute. It is really cute. I mean, that's so they've got this footage of this sloth like leaping from tree to tree. That's unlike any sloth footage you've ever seen. It's the most exciting sloth action scene. It's amazing, too, because the whole setup, I mean, that was like sort of like a funny fucked up thing, which is that he like hears the cry of the female sloth and he's like, I got to get all the way across town. Uh, two years later. Two years later, he gets there or what, however long it takes. And she's already like has yeah. a baby that's eight months old. Right. It's like the punchline from like a joke, a joke book for children. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a really sort of existentially depressing bay come over joke. No, it's like it's yeah. the movie booty call. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's Werner Herzog's booty call. <laughs> and then the episode, I just pulled it up right now. So it goes islands. Next episode is mountains, yeah. jungles, deserts, grasslands. Cities, I it feels like it's going from most isolated to least isolated. Is I liked most isolated. We're gonna dig ourselves out of the sand and run towards this rock formation, dodging an army of snakes. And we will talk more about planet Earth when we return. There's the crabs. The crabs who live on Christmas Island which is the location I joke set as my location anytime I'm given an option of every country. I'm like, oh, Christmas Island, that sounds funny. 
Um, I thought you were going to say every time you're in an improv audience. <laughs> <laughs> Which is never. Go ahead. Um, and it's an island covered in crabs. They do a crazy crab pilgrimage. And then it's about how humans fucked it all up by bringing the crazy yellow ants is what their actual scientific name is, I think. They That's correct. Crawled off of the Amer- the uh, not American necessarily, but probably they crawled off a ship. Human ships, and now they crawl all over the crabs and kind of eat their eyeballs and ruin their lives. They and eat the, They spit acid in the goddamn crabs' eyes, and then they do eat the crab. Which I, by the way, I had a lovely Dungeness crab for dinner last night. And Did was, you? I ate it exactly the same as the Christmas. Did you spit acid in its eyes first? That's really not necessary. I mean, look, I had a lemon wedge, so I didn't not spit acid in its <laughs> eyes. To drink acid. I found that especially great because I was like, ooh, like two aliens fighting each other, like ants mm-hmm. and crabs, just well, yeah. arthropod battle. And oh can, yeah, and they can get so much closer now. Like, that's the crazy thing. It's the difference between Earth 2 and Earth 1 is that they now have all of these, like, drones and things that can actually just, like, get in there. And they have, you know, cameras on arms so that they can kind of drop a camera into a situation from kind of far away without there being a human there to disturb it. None of it looks real, which is awesome. It all looks so crazy. Well, like all documentaries... And as technology improves, they have unprecedented access, and in this case, to animals. <laughs> but wait, so here's my question, because um, I, again, didn't watch Planet Earth 1. So that one was mostly like HD cameras that were probably about the size of what we think of when we think of camera. Like, yeah, maybe a they, little smaller, but not hidden. Yes, and they had uh, they had the helicopter gimbal camera, which allows them to be like way high up in the sky over something like high enough that the like a polar bear doesn't notice the helicopter, mm-hmm. and then you can zoom in in a way that like you don't lose it doesn't get bumpy because it's like on a it's on a gyroscope, mm-hmm. and so that existed. That was like the technological advance that allowed Planet Earth one to happen, and then Planet Earth two is like. I don't even know robot eye cameras, like drones and nanobots and all those things. And it's just literally like the animals don't even realize that you're like in their apartment. So it went from watching them brush their teeth. It went from paparazzi with telephoto and possibly long telephoto to drone cameras. It's, it's basically persons of interest, but with animals, Uh Um, you're just like in, you can just pick them out of a crowd. Like, sir, like that guy has a furrowed brow. Like he's clearly about to spit acid in the eyes of a crowd. You just have to assume they shoot a billion hours of footage. Just imagine how much footage they must shoot to find the good stuff. B-roll of penguins. Here's here's my other question. You're you're talking about the penguins. In Planet Earth 1, did they insert the documentary team as characters? No. That's that's how this ends is the documentary team. David Attenborough is the only human who exists. Yeah. Right. We're just in a simulation in David Attenborough's mind. I know that, but I mean. (laughs) David Attenborough has the coolest job in the world. He gets to just like stand on top of a mountain and Mm -hmm. then cut to like, and now I'm in the Mojave Desert. And mm-hmm. he is friends with all the animals of the world. David Attenborough feels like a man who mostly uh, travels via hot air balloon. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's all part of an around the world in 80 days competition <laughs> where you have to see the most animals. Oh. That's also wow. my dream. The no. North Mollywood Studios slate of movies is pretty dope. <laughs> the, 
the uh, the Knights <laughs> of the Round of, Table. The, a lot of sort of global competitions. A lot of like yeah. global death race two thousands is our mm-hmm. genre. Apparently, well, yours is like a cute race two thousand. Oh, I love cute race. Who can see the cutest animal? Cute race two thousand. I'm I'm writing that. About. <laughs> We're gonna reboot Wild and Out, but with Molly. <laughs> cute race two thousand. Uh, that would be the best. I would just go to like the frog jumping competition. <laughs> That's, do they still in Calaveras? Yes, they, still, they do that? still do it. If we have a tradition in California, you bet we fucking keep doing it because we <laughs> we're like this tradition is so old it is a hundred years old. Right, that is right, the oldest right. anything can be. Right. The, the main tradition's wallet chains. If I <laughs> Mark, Look, Mark Twain invented those actually. He was the first guy to have a wallet chain because he was worried about losing his wallet on the the the, the riverboat. Uh, facts. These are true facts. That way um, the, facts. the riverboat gamblers can't pickpocket you. <laughs> the band or the, the gambler. <laughs> um, I was very, I found myself really emotionally moved by this show. I was the penguins, like those penguins had heart, man. And like, okay. re, it's like. The penguins are the best, but they're also the most human-like. Mm-hmm. Um, they do something almost futile. In well, like, my, go, go on about the penguins. I don't want to interrupt your penguin love. Well, they do something futile and then they get up and they, you know, it's like it's the, they're, they're, you know, they're coupled up. And so obviously as human beings, we're more likely to like, you know, seeing a something that looks like a sort of a relationship, you know, like a sort of a nuclear family because there's like, the, you know, the penguin that we, we basically you watch like the sort of the dad penguin like go out in the waves to try and like in these like insane insane pounding waves that are just like throwing penguins all over the place. And like these penguins are coming back looking like they've been in like Bellator MMA. They're like, bloody. Oh, Viacom like, property. Nice. There you go. And they're like hanging off. There's like pieces of flesh hanging off of them. And then like what they're doing is they're like get eating, getting fish and keeping it in their like sort of like neck pouch. And then the kids can sort of eat the fish out of it. Um, and then they swap. The dad penguin sort of barfs up the fish for the kids. And then while that's happening, they basically, the mom penguin, they're like high five. And like then the other penguin goes out to do it all over again. That was when I started crying. Yeah. I was too, like, man. the penguins are co-parenting. Right, right, right oh. here. Like pound it because right, I, yeah. I'm also sad. I was you, I, you left Alex hanging, Molly. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Ha- penguin, was, penguin, oh, penguin. Studio pound. Because, yeah, because you're like, oh, the dad penguin goes out and then he comes back and you're like, and now he's just going to take care of the baby penguins while the mom goes out. And mm-hmm. equal and, yoked. And it's implied, yeah. they don't really say this, but they're like, we focused on this one story where we made you feel like there was a suspense as to whether or not the one penguin was going to find its family in the crowd. And then the other penguin let out its unique sound and it's all good. But like, it's implied that most of them don't come back. Yeah. That like they stay in the morning. They're like, look at the penguin next to you and the penguin on the other side of you. Like one of you won't be coming home. Uh, also, they're trying to find the penguin in the world. Like when they pan out at the end and they're yeah. just like, oh, Oh, and by the way, here's like the penguin colony. And it's just like as far as the eye can see are just penguins. It's like trying to find Waldo in a crowd of oh, Waldos. But, the, but then Waldo makes like a unique sound that only you understand. It's the uh, most romantic thing ever. It's really, yeah. So, so yeah, it was that. <laughs> do you think that, Alex, do you think you like the penguin part? Because it's like the the animal version of like a, a Ben Affleck Ben Affleck like Boston movie. It's like the Fisher <laughs> Dad goes out trying to get he's doing his best. He gets battered by the world. No way. He's just looking to barf out some krill for his kids. I'm absolutely. I'm certainly more vulnerable to that as <laughs> as, as a parent um, of a human child. Um, that like I I respond to those things for sure. 
Um, yeah, normally I'm not I'm I'm not big on that because I kind of feel like oh this, the point of animals is that they are not like us and rather than them kind of revealing something that we already know about human behavior or like isn't that just like any human like to, I like seeing I like the sort of crab aspect I like being like oh these are aliens on Earth and they have a different you know way of living. It's just, it, it, and yeah, it, it, like, I, but th- I enjoyed the, the balance of anthropomorphism because they do, they build up a story clearly and they give you a motivation. They're like, oh, this little iguana is trying to get here. Oh, the iguana. Oh, snakes. Yeah. That was the moment that went viral before the show came out because mm-hmm. it was like a minute or two minute clip of a iguana. A baby iguana. A baby. Is it a baby? Yeah. Baby just hatched iguana that needs to go from the egg to the rest of the iguanas. And it is... Running from snakes. Running from the craziest snakes in the world. And they jump off the ground to try and get it. So many snakes. Um, that was, yeah. And, and, but that one also is sort of anthropomorphic because the iguana runs like a human, basically. Well, and like, the iguana has like you know. four limbs and snakes have no limbs. And we gravitate towards the things with limbs, which is silly of us. Mm-hmm. But then, if there's something is too many limbs, we're like, ah, oh, six limbs. That's <laughs> yeah, we're, crazy. We're real. We're real. We're real dicks. That's what I came away from this. So here's here's my question though about all of planet Earth exemplified by that is, do you guys know offhand? And this is not a rhetorical question, although my tone of voice has edged into that territory. <laughs> um, is it? Do they add sound design to it? Because that is the segment that is the most. Like they probably dramatic, do. fully sweetened seeming. They probably, I think they probably do. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm basing this on the fact that. How else could they record that audio? Well, they probably can record the audio. At, I would guess, but um, on Blue Planet, which is the ocean spinoff, which I have seen a billion times, and they're doing a sequel to that next. Um, that's mm-hmm. the best. The deep sea episode of the first Blue Planet. Talk about aliens, the greatest thing ever, if you want to question why anything exists, Mm -hmm. um, and see our new alien overlords. But uh, on that one, they use just crazy Foley because there's no sound underwater. Right. So they, like, make up sounds um, that feel, you know, correct, but then you think, oh, right, it's underwater, there's no sound. Right, right. They're using all of the techniques of the modern blockbuster. So it's, it's like it's a documentary, it's, man. It's a lot of like Fury Road type fake. sound yeah. where it's like it's like banging drum, like those like Kodo drums or something that could also, you know, like it's, it's like right. Th- it's like implies the jungle yeah. without stating it. Yeah, it's it's definitely using. Yeah, it is. It's certainly sound design and everything, but like it's not. It it feels real enough. In that sense, it doesn't feel like you're watching some edited reality TV version. No, it of doesn't culture. feel like you're watching one of those Disney 50s nature documentaries where they like pushed a bunch of baby deer off a cliff to get the <laughs> shot. No, but I, that's to me like the, the part where because now we're the type of savvy audience where it's like you couldn't you, you they, they do longer shots and who knows it's still edited. So like but they it's not so obviously edited to be manipulative, but the sound design is much more subtle. So it's like, well, I mean, that baby iguana basically says zoinks. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like styling on these snakes. I think I said zoinks when it escaped yeah. from the ball of snakes. It's mad zoinky. But you know what I mean? It's basically some ain't I a stinker shit. And also, it, and it's, it's a like, baby. Well, if it's a baby. Well, yeah. And it's like one against many when it's like one little iguana against a hundred billion snakes. I'm not saying it's not fair, but I'm just saying. No, just saying is- those snakes have, you know, baby snakes to feed. 
And Alex, you watched a documentary about little cats, and we will talk more about that after this break. I cannot wait to tell you about this. You're going to love it. I mean, not me telling you about it. You might love that, but you're going to love the actual thing itself. And we'll talk about it in a minute. So, yeah, we're going to do this a little quick lightning round of stuff that we watched this week and enjoyed um, the best thing that I did this week. Uh, My wife and I were going to go see another movie on Monday, but we got the time wrong. And so we went to something that was starting when we needed it to and ended up having an amazing experience. We saw a movie called Keddy, which is about the street cats of Istanbul, Turkey and the people who care for them. They are uh, they're not like feral but they don't have masters. They just kind of have people that they sort of walk around. That's and how we describe Molly also, <laughs> by the way. Not feral, no masters. No, not feral, but no master. That is the theme of the show. Guys, um, being a street cat is my dream. It is. It makes being a street cat seem like, I mean, provided you can kind of find your, your people who are going to take care of you. There's these, they all sort of have like, you know, these sort of wonderful kind of people who are like, there's nothing really, com- like, they all live in the same city. There's, they aren't really similar apart from that. They're like business owners or like just a guy who like goes and out on a boat and feeds some cats. Um, but talking about like, you know, personifying, which they do like sort of giving like, you know, humanizing the animal. Um, I guess I do like that. Cause I watched it in this movie too. And like, they're like, this guy's a, like, he's a brawler. He's a rapscallion. Like, he's a rapscallion. <laughs> like there's definitely, maybe that just is their personalities. Also, that's the plot of the musical cats. Well, yes, absolutely. And the, well, the one thing, and like, the Aristocats, as we've been watching it, uh, we, we have uh, two cats of our own. One of them is really sweet and nice. And the other one's an asshole. And my wife is always saying that we should just take, let Dolly Parton be out on the street, like let her go be an outside cat and like make her fortune. Cause that's what she wants to do. She's always trying to get out. And I'm like, she's lived in a house her whole life. She's old and like kind of heavy. And like, she will be instant. Like coyote will like jump. We will walk out the door and a coyote will like, whoosh, like just straight on her. Like who's been sitting there. So, but the thing that you learn and the re- my argument, I now have a new argument, which is that like the reason that these cats do well is the same reason that like O'Malley from the Aristocats does well and that my, our cat, who has a terrible personality, will do very badly is that you have to charm people. Yeah. You get by on your charm. So there's this one cat in Keddy who like goes up, haunts this one restaurant, goes to the window every day, but never goes inside and like bats at the window in a cute way, but never like is very respectful of this coffee shop. Literally, they br- come out, they bring it roast chicken and manchego cheese chopped up in a bowl. It's like nicer than like things that I've had for dinner this week. Like it's amazing. Um, And it's just a very sweet movie about all of these people who uh, look after these cats and are just kind of testifying to how looking after these cats has enriched their existence. And it was like about the nicest sort of softest way to spend 90 minutes. Do they get into cats being sacred at all? Not, no, I mean, like, not in terms of, like, traditions or anything, not really. It's just, the tradition is that there's all these fucking cats in Istanbul. And yeah. Like, it, like that, that's just sort of, it's one of those places where they just kind of are, you know, always walking around. And there's a, they sort of allude to it being an annoyance for some people, but it doesn't seem like anybody's that annoyed by it because they're fuzzy faces and little yeah, kitties. great. I watched a documentary about cats that got, I think, a little bit into the street cats phenomenon. I think it was in Egypt it had street cats. But it was kind of about, like, Eastern cultures are chiller to cats because in Western culture, they, like, turned on cats in in medieval times as being 
part of witchcraft. They're always familiar oh, with a witch, right. yeah. And then they were like throwing them off balconies and, and stuff. And that probably brought on the fucking Black Plague. Because you need someone to kill all them rats. Yeah, probably it did. Superstition is bad, folks. That's right. That's how Steve Martin got into cat tossing during that period. <laughs> really inhumane. Behavior. Well, they still do like a fake cat toss in this fucking part of England somewhere where they throw like a stuffed animal cat and then they're like, oh, actually, it's because they used to just throw cats off a balcony. Oh, Jesus. It's just a tribute to Because they're familiars cats. of witches. Wait, real quick. Yeah. Also, Molly posted a thing, I guess, on Twitter about how the toxoplasmosis thing might yes, not be real. Yes, that's fake. It, it isn't. It's sort of. It's, it's sort of fake. It was, it was about cats don't give you psychosis. Or do they? The br- oh right, it's well because there's the it's like literally a brain parasite. Yeah, right? like yeah. they haven't they haven't ruled out that like just having one will make you crazy. Yeah, no, they did maybe rule that out. Just well, now. they they ruled out a small sliver, which is that children who have been around cats and their cat feces uh, and the toxoplasmosis uh, parasite are not necessarily more susceptible to psychosis specifically. There but it somebody, doesn't mean somebody was making an argument of like it makes you schizophrenic. Well, it's it the, doesn't. So it doesn't toxoplasmosis, do real quick, is the thing. It's the parasite that's in cat poop that when rats, in like when it gets into mice and rat systems, it takes away the part of the brain that makes you makes them fear cats. So they just walk right up to a cat, get eaten. The parasite goes into the cat cycle of life. But so the argument is that when that uh, potentially, if 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 the thing in the brain that's being turned off is just this makes you more down with cats. It's an it's like a potential vector for, we'll call it crazy cat lady uh, syndrome. Although that is mad sexist to say. You know what I'm saying? All I'm saying is As like, a crazy what's cat lady, crazier, Molly? feeding cats all the time or like having a dog that, you know. I uh, I took my dog to physical therapy yesterday. Yeah, talk she about you're like a crazy a crazy dog man. Well, it is it's my it's really <laughs> uh my ex who's like super crazy about the dogs, but she yeah, she booked an incredibly expensive physical therapy session at the the dog spa yesterday. Look, I'm um, all for pampering the fuck out of you spoil that baby you spoil <sighs> that dog yeah you let it walk on that treadmill underwater where it looks so cute it is the cutest <laughs> go to go to twitter you can probably see a picture of it maybe instagram i don't know so keddy in theaters now keddy in theaters now and probably like on your streams pretty Great. soon if not already like, can't wait do it yeah somebody i know posted a, a photo with a cutout a giant cutout of one of the cats <laughs> i think i sent it to you it looked awesome. Yeah, no, it's it, it's great. What uh, what have you been enjoying? I watched. I went to see Fifty Shades Darker. Yes. Um, it was fucking tight. Talk. That was actually the first like real escapism movie. A movie that didn't make me think about anything except how silly the movie was. Um, which is awesome. Dakota Johnson's so good in those movies. She's so much better than the movies have a right to be. She makes them good. Really? Uh, she's really good. She's funny and charming and makes this p- character that's not written with any personality, like have a personality and be charming mm-hmm. like a street cat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in this movie, so it's all done through editing. Is what it's all done through editing. This movie is totally mistitled. It is not darker. It is the opposite of darker. Cause 50 shades darker is way darker. 
You think. You yeah. would think. Well, it's significantly darker. Fifty Shades of Grey. So we're starting from Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey, if you haven't seen it, is like a legit good movie because Sam Taylor Johnson gave it a care that it didn't deserve um, and did a really good job with it. And it's like if you enjoy like your 80s kind of sex thriller movies, you will love Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. And it also, I was like, wow, Seattle looks amazing. And then my friend was like, it's Vancouver. <laughs> I was like, well, wow, yeah. Vancouver as Seattle. That's is like amazing. the one American, like, American city shot in Vancouver that's like, yeah, of course. I was just yeah. like, ooh, like I want to go somewhere where it rains all the time every day. Um, and he, Oh, you mean like current day Los Angeles? <laughs> yeah, so that's you, you why I love there. it. Um, Christian Grey basically lives in Fraser's apartment. He lives in like a giant ass penthouse in oh, fake Seattle. Oh, how would it be to just rescore Fifty Shades of Grey? It's kind of... And it's like nothing happens in this movie. This movie has no plot. And it was so relaxing. There's mm-hmm. no conflict. The conflict in the first movie is like she, it's, you know, it's all this fantasy about like you're like a mousy virgin and a really hot rich guy suddenly wants to fuck you for no reason except that you're special and he's the only one who can see, um, mm-hmm. which is fine. And this one, and but then it's mm-hmm. it's all about how like she doesn't really, she's not really into the, the S&M part of it. And he's all fucked up in the head for reasons we find out in this movie have to do with like being abused by his parents. Um, and mm. then it's, it's, it's totally fucked up, but it's very like glossed over in all the right, movies. Right. Played by. Oh, so uh, the person who inducted him into sex is played by Kim Basinger. Oh, that's not his mom. No, his mom never shows up. And okay. his like surrogate mom figure is Marsha Gay Harden is like the rich lady who took him in in Citizen Kane style. Like he became this like rich kid. Right. Um, and then Kim Basinger is like the woman who inducted him into sex and they call her Mrs. Robinson, but she has a name, but it doesn't matter. Um, and her role in it this would sort of be better if the character was just Mrs. Robinson. It's not common to basically that. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of things in this movie that are like that. Uh, and they, Kim Basinger just just keeps showing up in this movie as an it follows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she'll show up in a scene in the back of a room, just like staring at <laughs> Anastasia Steele. Um, and the name whole is fucking Anastasia Steele. Name is Anastasia Steele. <laughs> the best aspect of these movies is that the one detail they did take from the book is that Christian Gray's like very sexy uh, text message and email sign off is "Later's baby." <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> I mean, look the trailer where he's fucking finger banging her in a crowded elevator. Oh, but is then bonkers. I found out that it's because it was directed by the same guy who directed Fear, um, oh. which has the world's most famous finger banging on a roller coaster. Oh my scene. god! Yeah, yeah, the Oscar for best finger banging on a roller coaster. Oh, Sorry, he, the MTV like, Moon, the Moon Man goes to <laughs> little callback there. Um, he's like the De Palma of finger. He's banging. the De Palma of finger banging, and these <laughs> movies are like. Very finger banging oriented. Yeah, um, that's what I figure. Most romance novels are mostly finger banging. It's fucking. That's also what sex is, right, guys? Ninety nine percent. The corrections is mostly finger banging. Is it? Correctly, no. I'll never know. This is the first novel because it's about the Lamberts. So I've never read it. I'll bring that up as many times as I need to. Just throw it out there. Search and replace. 
Uh, so Fifty Shades Darker, if you really do want to escape from reality into like a wonderful beauty spread turned into a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but so your two, your two things that you love are Riverdale and Fifty Shades Darker. And, the, and to you, that's escapism because you get to see fog. Yeah, fog and <laughs> fog sex. And trees. Sex, fog and trees. Sexy fog. And sex. Um, horror fog and like horror fog symbolizing sexual tension. That's all, right. all. That's all I'm into. That's um, fair. Yeah, and it's great. And then everybody starts singing along when they play the Taylor Swift and Zayn song. Literally, the whole setup of the first movie is like, will she sign this contract to be in the S and M relationship? In the second movie, she's like, okay, I changed my mind. I'm going to sign it at like the beginning of the movie. Um, there's a masquerade ball that I assumed would be the climax, but comes like 10 minutes into the movie. And it's just like, oh, and we're all like in this eyes wide shut orgy world because we're, but it's not an orgy. It's just like people at a uh, silent auction <laughs> for rich people. <laughs> but they're wearing masks. Oh, okay. And, I know we're running short on time real quick. I did go to a fucking eyes wide shut ish party, but did? it was just comedy people. Oh, fuck and, that. But the, it was just the rules where like you had to wear a masquerade thing. And here's the thing with that and parties like that in real life, I imagine. I think the the place, the venue that it was at was actually some kind of S&M shit. Because I was like, oh, this is funny. Like, there was a, like a oh, cult Oh, you posted theme. a picture where you were wearing an yeah. eyes wide shut mask. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, this is funny. Like, this is, like, I can't believe my friend whose birthday it was, like, put all this sex toy shit in here as, like, a goof. And then I was like, oh, no, that's, like, bolted into the ceiling. <laughs> that thing is, like, here. And we're interloping on... Presumably, these fairly dirty like, couches. That is a pommel horse for lovemaking. Oh, there was yeah. a pommel horse in Fifty Shades Darker. Oh, I, oh no. no, that's the I best. Didn't say that, setting that up at well, all. Well, it's it has it's not as even a sex pommel horse. There's just like a five minute montage of him working out, where we find out that he works out on a pommel horse. Well, this is what yeah, Ira Madison wrote on MTV.com this week about how Christian Grey. Uh, I like he's sort of saying the actor, but really it's just Christian Grey himself is 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 Bruce Wayne. Oh, he be totally the new Batman. is. Like that, that's the next like from Lego Batman. The only place to go is he's like a mysterious, <laughs> parentless billionaire. Yeah, so that's the third paranoid anger crime. issues. Love he's, is transactional. He's like, I'm gonna go handcuff these criminals to something. <laughs> you know what? If Batman did all his Batman stuff, but just had an erection the entire time. It's just as good. He's like, I'm gonna need to ball gag the Joker. Don't ask questions. All right. Also, fuck Batman. Oh, yeah. Well, Wait. Yeah, what? Fuck. Really? Because he's a rich guy who works for the cops. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, okay. Fair. Rich, rich vigilantes. Thumbs down. Fair, I don't fair, agree. Fair point. With his politics. Fair point. Um, Dogs. I found out Frank Miller voted for Hillary, and I was it changed Whoa. everything that I Millery. thought. He seriously, he was with he was with her. Like I had no, I had no clue. I would have assumed that he would have. You know, I found out a conservative he, he started uh, like writing in Sheriff Joe, and then kind of moved to the. the see, right. that gives me hope, right? Yeah, because if Frank out. Miller, who's like the ultimate basement dwelling fanboy, yeah. can like learn to see women as people, I don't think he did. I think he was just like, look. Realistically, I don't want nuclear war. To no, be a but there were a lot of people who were like, "I don't, I don't want Hillary so much that I'll just like oh, not true. vote or something." Yeah. Um, but yeah, shout out to Frank. Seriously, if Frank Miller, who's like a twelve-year-old, you know, a twelve, a twelve-year-old nightmare fantasy, that's not a thing. Um, if Frank Miller can change, anyone can change. <laughs> 
I really believe that. <laughs> Episode uh, title. Cheesy crazy, I guess so. <laughs> All right, Andrew, what are we watching for next week? All right, so what I did this week for my podcast and another podcast, actually, but I want to talk about this podcast, too, because you you guys are interesting. And, and you can't get enough. I kind of can't get enough. I watched The Great Wall starring white savior Matt Damon. Uh, kind of featuring White Savior Matt Damon. I'm really curious to hear what people think about it, what you think about it. I kind of, look, I'm not saying do any crimes. A little part of me is like, buy a ticket to another movie and sneak in. Um, it's really a crime. It, it shouldn't get money, but everyone should see it as long as they accompany it with at least an hour of context and analysis from, from ideally you. me, yeah. but you know, from someone who knows... Like, it's just crazy. To me, the, the quick version of this is, uh, it, it's like a movie made by two warring propaganda departments had to, like, make one movie. <laughs> so it's, it's fucking Matt Damon's people and fucking the propaganda department in Beijing is like, let's do this. So everyone watch that. That's one piece of homework. And the other piece of homework is uh, we came up with some names, two names, two warring names for the fans of North Mollywood. Uh, I'm staying, I'm Switzerland in this one. Molly, what's your pitch for the fans? Uh, fake Newsies. Okay, Alex? Uh, and I think the other one we were trying to make catch on, we didn't try hard don't, enough. Don't back down! No, Take what it. I'm saying, uh, Yeti crabs after the hairy clawed <laughs> uh, pink crab that uh, Molly discovered. <laughs> not, I mean, not discover. You, I discovered Molly it. discovered them. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Molly's I mean, Yeti in crabs. In our commitment to fake news, let's give me credit for All discovering. Right, so I don't know. Go on one of the Twitter for this account or Molly's Twitter or something and vote for Yeti crabs or, or fake newsies. Or write in your, your option. I would like to hear the write in. Yes. And, right in his uh, river dolly. While you are writing things and doing things, uh, please remember to uh, like us on iTunes. Leave a review. Um, it helps people find the show. Uh, literally, write anything. Uh, like write your write your suggestions for uh, names for uh, the fans of the show in the box. Just write anything in there. Um, like just write we'll, one noun, no context. Yeah. What you want the nickname? To yeah. Be. No. We'll exactly. Exactly. Um, that is not already the name of a fan base. So, you know, no. Uh, what no did I find out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot. I, I forget now. Somebody told me what Ed Sheeran's fans are called. It was really funny. Who I want to know. It's, I don't like, actually. It's I can't really believe crazy. I don't know that. Yeah, somebody used. We should do a whole episode where I defend Ed Sheeran because I have a whole. Oh, spiel. I want. I want. I would. I would. Oh. I would hear He's that. the Archie of pop stars. Wow. Oh, jeezy, crazy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's let's. Uh, all right. Well, next time it's your turn to make us all watch or uh, listen to something. Yeah, next can... next week we're going to do Great Wall. Yeah. And Jordan Peele's new movie Get Out. Yeah. And and uh, break down the Oscars that I'm not going to watch. I'm going to hear about them. I plan to watch them on Twitter. That's the way to have, to have it happen to you. I'm going to be on the moon. Thanks everybody for listening. Watch out for those snakes. For all the all the snakes, the metaphorical ones as well. Thanks, Molly. Thanks, Andrew. This episode of North Mollywood was produced by Michael Catano, Mukta Mohan, Kasia Mihailovic, and James T. Green for the MTV Podcast Network, with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts.